standing and go ahead and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 13. The Gospel of John, chapter 13. Please remain standing. The Gospel of John, chapter number 13, and I believe that we're going to read uh, several verses there, as this will be somewhat our foundational text this morning. Verse number one. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. And supper being ended, the devil already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And jump on down to verse number 12. And so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you not know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Father, we stand in your presence representing the fact that you said that your word will forever stand the test of time. Father, we honor your word. Father, we honor, Father, that which comes from your mouth because it is eternal. God, I pray, Lord, that as I speak this morning, that you would anoint me not for my own purposes, but for your, your glory. For I am here, God. We are here to do your will and to open ourselves up, Father, to whatever it is that you want to do in and through our lives. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. 
We begin the year with our theme entitled Serve. If you see this sign right below me, that is our theme for 2016 and the aim of which we have been celebrating throughout this weekend. I felt very, very strongly that God had really spoken to me to really emphasize serve in 2016. He wanted our church to take it to a whole nother level. And so, as you know, sometimes uh, the problem with themes and catchy statements is that they could potentially go nowhere if, it's, if a, 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 a call to action is not attached. So my fear is that serve is just a theme rather than a call to action. And so whereas before, I, obviously, I gave us the mandate, I didn't do a really, really good job with planning and implementing of that. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we move forward. And so for all intents and purposes, this message will be sort of a reboot of our theme. And our, this theme will remain, I want to give our, everybody a heads up, this theme will remain from 2016 all the way through 2017. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. So the title of my message is His Call. Our purpose, our theme. His call, our purpose, and our theme. I want to talk to you a little bit about serve and what it really means from a biblical standpoint. How many know that we live in a me society today? Everything is all about me, whatever I want. Doesn't really matter if what I want will hurt somebody else. It uh, doesn't really matter what other people think. All I really care about me is me. And the thing that concerns me in our society today, it seems like, and I'm getting just a little bit older, but it seems like as we progress further and further into time, it, it, it seems like this, this attitude of selfishness is really just really captivated our whole generation. And here God has planted the church right in the middle of that, to engage and to point to a different direction. When you closely observe the life of Jesus, you, was, you will discover a man who was not intoxicated with himself. Can, you, can I get an amen on that? You will discover a man who was always seeking to add value to the lives of others. Jesus was so committed to the will of God that every single day, he lived his life dying for other people. God has left us an example through Christ that we're to live our lives in the same way because serve has a whole lot to do with not just you but with everybody else. Look at your neighbor and say, I care about you. Yeah, tell them again. Say, I really, really care about you. You never hear Jesus asking a question, what's in it for me? Could you imagine Jesus walking in here and just kind of saying, oh, you know, what's, you know, what's it, what have y'all done for me today? Could you imagine Jesus coming through the door and just kind of saying, oh, well, y'all just serve me and make my life just better. And no, he, I, I kind of see that the Jesus of the Bible was always pouring of himself. He was always giving 
He was, he was, he was always just uh, loving people and always looking for a way to make the lives of other people better. How many know that God has given the church that mission to carry it out? How many know that when people think about the church, the last thing they need to think about is selfishness? Come on. When people think about the church, the first thing you want people to say, oh, man, but wonderful people, they are givers. They serve. They dig down deep because they truly care about people. How many know that only living like Jesus will we find true fulfillment in life? Let me say that again. Only living like Jesus. In other words, not just reading the Bible and looking at the words, but actually allowing Jesus to transform your life. I am convinced that it is and when we adopt his attitude, when we adopt his mindset, when we begin to live life like him, then we will find so much more fulfillment in our own lives. Many people some of the most miserable people on the planet are people who are obsessed with themselves. I got one class. It's okay. Some of the most miserable people, because how many know that you were not designed to be intoxicated with yourself? You were designed to be a servant and to think about the greater good. Everybody say the greater good. See, I want to be successful, Bob. I want to be this. I want to be successful within the context of thinking about other people. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Oh, we're gonna dig a little bit deep this morning. Jesus, he said it this way in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-five. Says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. In other words, every time you saw the life of Jesus, he was always healing and he was he was always helping he was always feeding people in, in mark chapter 6 verse 31 it says jesus said to them come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while for there were many coming and going and they did not have time to eat think about this jesus was serving so much and he was caring about people so much so that he didn't even have time to eat sometime. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should serve and not take care of ourselves. I just want to give you a picture of how Jesus thought and how much he cared about you and me. And so in Luke chapter 22, I want you to go ahead and turn there real quick. Luke chapter 22, verse 24 down to verse number 27. Luke chapter 22. Verse 24 to 27. Now look at this. Now there was a dispute among them. He's talking about the disciples. Listen to this, church. As to which one of them should be considered the greatest. <laughs> and he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary... He who is greatest among you, let him be as your younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For he who is greater, he who sits, for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is, Is it not he who sits at the table? 
yet I am among you as the one who serves. Now, I want you to get the picture here. So here the disciples are in dispute. They're not in, they're not in dispute about, you know, how can I be a blessing to you? How can I help your life? How can I empower you? They were in a dispute about who was going to be great. Their dispute was, I mean, could you imagine what they might have been saying? When I get in the kingdom, when I, oh, man, they're all going to serve me. I'm going to be the man in charge. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to be standing. They're, they're going to they're, they're acknowledge me. Here was a dispute. Now, I want you to understand something. How many know that Jesus wasn't arguing against being great? How many want to be great for God? I don't know about you, but I want to be great. I, I want, but, but how many know I want to be great for all the right reasons? And so the disciples, and Jesus understood this because he was, well, he was watching them, he was listening to them, and he was listening to not the fact that they want to be great, but the reason behind why they wanted to be great. Because the reason behind why they wanted to be great was rooted and grounded in selfishness. And how many know that selfishness and godliness don't match? Don't match. And watch this. So it was rooted. So, so, so it was kind of like this competition, right? Y- y'all know the church, like, we, we, we have competition sometimes in the church, don't we? Oh, come on. Is there any jealousy in the house of God today? People comp- competing against one another. Why you got my spot? Why you take my position? And people will get mad about when you take their stuff. Am I right about it? Because we're in competition, because we're not thinking about how can I be a blessing to you. The thought process is, how can you help me? Oh, how many of you know we need more servants in the house of God? We need more people to think like Jesus, and their attitude is, is how can I be of service? I want you to think about this. If there was anybody who had the right to be served, how many know it was Jesus? He created the heavens and the earth. He made everything. And the Bible says he made it for his glory, for his pleasure. So if anybody had the right to say, serve me, how many know Jesus? He, he would be the one. He would qualify. Yet he did not do that because it's not his nature. The Bible says, watch this, in Matthew 20, 28, just as a son of man, watch this church, did not come to be served. Oh, but to what? Serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Think about that for a moment because that can escape you. Jesus did not come to be served. I said, Jesus did not come to be served. Let me say that again because some of you are not getting it. Jesus did not come to be served. Jesus came to serve I got a question for you. What did you come for? Oh, we're going to talk this morning. What, 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 what did you come here? You, you, know, you, know, I, you, you know how the church can be sometimes. Did, did you come here this morning thinking, oh, Brother Tara, she, Sister Tara, she better make sure she got, she's on point today because I want some good worship. Better make sure 
that Giselle in the hospitality ministry, but she better make sure to have some hot bagels. I want my chocolate chip. She better make sure I got my stuff. Or did you come saying, oh, first lady, better make sure the kids ministry, all right, they better do what they're supposed to do. They? they better make sure that everything is just right for me. Why did you come? How did you come? Eh? Jesus came to what? Some of you drive into the church thinking how you supposed to you know, and, and you, you, you always recognize these folks because usually you'll always find them complaining. Now, they won't lift a finger to help, but they'll sit there, watch. They'll sit nice and tight, and they will talk about, oh, I ain't doing this, I ain't doing But they will, like the Pharisee, won't raise one finger. But here's the question, won't you come and help me? If you see I have a need, if you see I'm in trouble, if you see them struggling, why are you going to sit there with your godly, righteous, pious self and not help me? I tell you why. Because you came to be served. The question then becomes, why did you come? Jesus said, I came to give. I came to serve. Jesus came looking for opportunities. How many know there are opportunities all around you every day? So Jesus came to serve. And so here's the thing that we got to ask ourselves this question. Because we live in a society, as I said at the beginning of this message, that thinks totally different and totally opposite. What Jesus did was, how many know that Jesus is our example? I said earlier that the key is that I want to make my life like Jesus. And here's the question you got to ask yourself when you get one of your attitudes. Anybody ever, ever get an attitude? Come on. When you get in one of your attitudes, here's the first thing you ask yourself. Would Jesus be acting this way? Oh, oh, oh. I, I mean, because how many know he, he's our example? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 9. I got to do this real quick because I don't have a lot of time. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Watch this, church. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Now, understand something the Scripture says that. Not, it's not saying that you don't care about yourself. He says, just don't be consumed with yourself. You follow me? Do nothing through selfish ambition. In other words, all I care about is what's in it for me. How many know that that's the way our society thinks today, right? It's all about what's in it for me. And sometimes we treat people like commodities. Commodities, you know, we ship people in and out of our life. We ship them, we ship them. I'm just going to say this. Be very careful with that. Yeah, you know, because I believe that there are some relationships, there are some things that are toxic and unhealthy, but be careful that you don't get to the place that you forget that all men were created in the image of God. And that you don't want to use people just to build up your little self because it's not about you. Come on. You don't want to step on somebody else just so that you can prop yourself up. And some folk only look for people that's going to help them achieve whatever it is that they want for their own purpose. But how many know that we need to think what is good for everybody? God used me not just for myself. But God, I want, how many of how many you know, listen. Listen, we want, as, as, as the church of the living God, we want to be people that are known as servants. I mean, known as servants. 
It's what is who we are. It's just not what we do. It's who we are. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each others let, uh, let each esteem others better than himself. Look at that. How many of you love that verse? <laughs> esteem others better than yourself. From the billionaire to the bum on the street, how many know God love them all? If you happen to be sitting here and you're blessed and you're doing well, praise God. I'm going to bless God with you. But, but how many know that the person who is at the bottom who may not be blessed like you, how many know they are just as valuable as you in the eyes of God? Right? They're just as valuable. I know sometimes we tag value on people based on how they look and how they smell. Oh, I'm preaching real good today. No, you don't look like me. You don't smell. And we look at people. And, and then you, you even hear people say, this is one of my, I hate people when people say this. Oh, you know, they're just trash. How many know God ain't make trash? People wander in trash sometimes, but God didn't create them to be trash. How many, instead of just calling people that, how many know that we need to call people out of some stuff? And we need to proclaim them out of that darkness into his marvelous light. So instead of talking about them, how about declaring life and walking life? Preaching life, living life. Said, watch this. He said, look not out just for your own interest in verse number four, but look out for the interests of others. Let this mind, everybody say mind, verse five. Everybody say mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. All right? Let this mind, everybody say mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let me say that again. Let this mind, let this mind right here, that thing between your two ears, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. All right? In other words, the same mindset. Now, what was the mindset that Jesus had? Who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Look at this, church. Taking on the form of a what? A servant. And coming in the likeness of men. And how many know that's deep? Because y'all realize that he was God in flesh. He left a lot to come down here. I mean, he left his throne of glory and clothed himself in human flesh just so that he can come and serve the very people that spit in his face. The very people that spit in his face don't want to have anything to do with him. He came from heaven, not because he had to, but he came down onto the earth and he humbled himself so that we could truly know what it really means to know the heart of God and to serve. So let this mind be in you. How many know that we would never be a true servant until we develop the mind of one? Let me say that again. We will never be a true servant until we develop the mind of a servant. Now, we can, how many know that all of us can act out certain things? Am I right about it? But, but how many know that the real you is what's down on the inside? And if what's down on the inside of you don't change, you ain't changed. I don't care how it looks on the outside. You're not changed until you change in here. That's why the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be what? transformed by the what? Renewing of your what? Mind. That's how you change. 
So we will never be a true servant until we first develop a mind of a servant, which means that we got to really start thinking about, look, more, a whole lot more often, God use me to be a help to somebody else. God used me to be a blessing to somebody else. God, I'm going to that church. God, I'm going to church today. And God, God, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious and I can't wait to get in your presence and worship you. But God, I'm also excited to be around your people because God, I want to come and I want to lift them up today. I'm going to look for somebody that's broken. I'm going to look for somebody that's discouraged. I'm going to find, instead of running saying, oh, I don't have time for that, I'm going to run right into the fire and say, how can I help you today? Brother, sister, come on, let's pray. Let's go up together. I mean, no. This is the mindset that we need to have. So this brings us to our foundational text here in John chapter number 13. <laughs> How many know that Jesus wasn't power hungry? He wasn't power hungry. It says in John 13, 3 and 4, just read this verse. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Listen to this. Now, I want you to catch, capture this. If you listen, say amen. amen. Jesus, knowing at this moment, capture this moment. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. Now, I want you to think for a moment because to understand something. You know, because if we had a chance to, if we had an opportunity, let's, let's say, for example, that we were going to get promoted. How many know what I'm talking about? Promoted. How many like promotion? You know, usually when people go to get promoted, man, they get excited, right? Get to start dancing, right? You think, think Jesus, watch this. Here Jesus realized that he has all power, all authority. He said at that moment, he knew that all his power, that his authority, that he was going to get it back. You would think that Jesus would have started doing a smurf. The stinky leg, whatever y'all do today, you would think that Jesus would have just thought, oh, 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 all these people that's been messing with me, woo, boy, I'm going to get them. Because I'm going back to my father. I'm going back to get in charge. I'm going back to the throne. And I'm going back. And I'm going to let all of them know, boy, I can't wait. Party time. No. Get this. Jesus, at that moment, realizing, realizing, he, he thought about it. He said, oh, boy, I'm about to go back to my place. I'm about to go back to my spot. I, I'm about to assume the, the place I had for eternity. I'm, I'm about to go back. He said, at that moment, he says, I got to leave an impression. He took a towel, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. It's as if he said, he says, before I go, before I go, I need to give a picture because the picture that they see right now is a picture that don't represent who I am. Because, see, they think power is in the highest place. But real power and authority is down here. See, the way up into the kingdom is what? Down. So Jesus, Jesus was an illustrative teacher, if you will. And so he wanted to change, he wanted to change their mindset. He wanted them, he wanted them to, to leave them the impression that their glorious, strong, powerful leader was reduced to washing feet. Now reduced in their mind. But Jesus wanted them to see that washing feet was really power. 
He wanted them to really see that real power. So when they see that image, when they see their master and their Lord, when they see that, they say power. That's, that's power and authority. Because before, the attitude was, you know, man, you're supposed to be washing my feet. In fact, Peter said that, didn't he? What did Peter say? Peter said, hold up, Lord. He said, wait a minute. And Peter was, hey, how many of you might have been thinking to do the same thing? Peter was sincere. Everybody liked to slam Peter. You know, Peter, I love, Peter was, Peter liked to live on the wild side. I mean, he spoke a little quick every now and then, but I like some Peter. Peter was, Peter was, at least Peter would get out of the boat and try to walk on the water. You know what I'm saying? So, so Peter said, Lord, you ain't going to wash my feet. No, no. Why did Peter say that? Peter was saying that because you're the Lord. You're the one in charge. We're supposed to be serving you. Jesus says, no, Peter, you don't understand this, son. You see, power is on your knees. Power. In a, so, so somebody say they want to, let me tell you something. Somebody say, listen, I, God's called me in a ministry. Anybody, anybody here believe that? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be God has called me. Come on. I, come on. Raise, I know God called more than people. Raise your hand. But how many know if God has called you to ministry, then how many know he's called you to serve? He's called you to get on your knees. Because real power and authority serves. Real power and authority don't bark out commands. They're not looking for people to serve them. They are thinking about ways in which they can advance other people. So, they, so their mindset is, I'm getting down. That's what Jesus did. Jesus wanted to leave them that impression, that impression. He burned that on his brain. And I imagine the disciples probably look at him and say, what in the world? How is, how is you Jesus? <laughs> Why? You, you can't be down there doing that. I'm supposed to be what? Jesus said, no, no, son. You got it all wrong. The world done played a Houdini on you. The way up is down. And this is real power. Real power is looking out for other people and laying down your life. If you find yourself always asking the question, why they don't care about me? Can I ask you this question? Won't you just flip the thing and start caring about them? Yeah, I, I learned this thing a long time ago because, you see, when you, when you, when you walk with God for a little while, how many you know God will show you some things? He'll teach you some things. And one of the things God taught me is that I'm naturally a servant. I, I just, I just don't, I don't see, to, to, for me, real power, I don't really see myself like as, you know, when I, when I, when I think of power, when I think of, uh, of leading people, my, the first, and this is the God's honest truth, but first, my first thought is I'm there to help them. I'm there to build them up. I'm there, you know, and God had to teach me some things about that. And if, if Jesus, who created the heavens and the earth, if he could come down and do what he did and wash stinky, dirty, and in that culture, to wash feet, only servants did it. The one who was in charge, would not, it, wouldn't even, it, was, it, was, it was not even thought about. You don't even come close. If you're the one in charge, you don't wash nobody's feet. No, they wash your feet. Now, don't get hung up on the feet washing thing. Because some people think, well, I do get a bucket and basin, I start washing your feet, I'm humble. No, no, no. That was an illustration. Everybody say illustration. <laughs> that was an illustration because what he what he's saying is that we need to live our lives in such a way that we're constantly looking to serve and, and, and lay down our lives for people every day. 
I didn't say be a doormat. I said lay down your life. Look for ways to advance other people. Jesus, and, and look at this. Look at this verse. I want to look at this in John chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. He says this. You call me teacher. <laughs> Ain't this good? He says, you call me teacher and Lord. He said, you say well. He said, yeah, I am. I'm your teacher and Lord. He said, if I then your teacher, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. In other words, Jesus now had to deal with them because he knew that he would be leaving. This was all a stage. Jesus was setting this up because his time was coming to an end on the earth. He knew that. And so he wanted, he wanted them, and Jesus knew that they were in competition with each other. So at first he needed to deal with them. He says, now, you got to go and serve one another. Because remember this competition thing they were arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? Who, I'm going to be the greatest. So Jesus first had to deal with that. He said, now, look, here's the thing. You got to first love each other. How many know that we can't serve folk out there and we can't even serve right here in the house? How many know charity starts in the house, in the crib, <laughs> for lack of better words? So Jesus was saying, listen, so his attitude, so he, so he said to the disciple, he said, now, now, if I'm your Lord and your master, that's what you call me, that's what I, that's who I am, then watch this, then you ought to serve one another just like I did for you. And then he goes on in verse 15 and 17. He says, for, and this is the evangelistic part. This is where you take it out, outside the doors. He said, for I have given you an example. Everybody say example. That you should do as I have done to you. It is. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent them. For if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know, so now this is the evangelistic part. Jesus said, now first you got to love each other. You got to serve one another, all right? So, so we learn. This is kind of like um, uh, practice, right? You know what practice is? Practice is you, you kind of go through it so that when you step on the field of life. Church, in, in many, many ways, church is practice. In many ways. Uh, one brother said boot camp. It, it, it's kind of like the reason you come here is because, you see, some folks say, well, I don't need to come to church. I can stay at home. I can tell you right now, you'll never grow the way God wants you to grow by not getting involved in church. I don't care who you are. You can talk to me until you're blue in the face. You ain't growing until you are getting in the presence and being with the people of God because there's a lot of stuff about you that you don't even know about you, and people have a way of pulling it up out of you, and there's nobody that will pull it up out of you quicker than church folk. Church folk will pull some stuff out of you. I mean, how many of you thought you were in one place, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, man, you go to you go to church, you meet a brother and a sister in Christ, and now you're being challenged. I'm supposed to love them. Oh, good God. Some of you, right, before you came in this morning, you were thinking about a brother or sister. Oh, I got to love them. Oh, God, I got. You do. Because it starts right here. This is how we do it. If we can't love each other and serve each other right here, you're not going to serve. We're not going to take this out into the street and be effective. Now, you can forget it. Because how many know that we got to be what we want to see God do out there? We got to, we're his, we're his example. We are his tangibles. We are him in the earth. And so we start here. So find the folk in the church today. Watch this. Find people in the church today that maybe you don't like that much and go love them. 
Go, in fact, no, go serve them and love them. Go say, can I do anything for you? Can I help you? No, no, what, what would that do for you? That will grow your faith big because you'll expose the enemy. Because how many know the enemy don't want you to love your brother or your sister? The enemy don't want you to care. The enemy don't want you to serve. The enemy wants you to be about you. He wants you to run out of these doors so fast. He just wants you to get up out of here, run out of the church, get away, go home. Don't have nothing to do with nobody. And all the while, you have something inside of you that can help make a situation better. But you got to be open to it. So Jesus taught us about serving, taught us about how we're to live our lives. And I don't believe that this is just something that we read and talk about. It's something that must be put into action. So here, I want you to indulge me for just a few moments. I said at the beginning of our service that this is kind of a reboot of our serve campaign because God has really spoken to me that this will continue throughout 2017. So here's how we'll do it. This is just, this will last a couple of minutes and we'll be done. Number one, all foundation folks should be writing this down. You should be thinking about this because I'm coming to you. I'm going to appoint a person to oversee and head up our serve campaign, our serve ministry. Their official title will be either community outreach coordinator or serve coordinator. This person will be eager. Everybody say eager. Eager to serve. Delightful and outgoing personality. Love to interact with people and great organizational skills. Number two, our service ideals will come from members and attendees of Foundation Church, researching needs in our community, partnering with other ministries and other organizations. And I think we're already starting to adopt community right now, so this is what we're going to be doing. Number three, we will set up a serve outreach center in our lobby. And this is going to be slated to begin no later than the beginning of the year where we're going to have out there opportunities for people to engage. There will be places where people can sign up and they can serve. And the person who is the coordinator for the church outreach, there will be men in that post. And what they will be responsible for doing is making sure that all these uh, uh, opportunities are listed so that people can come in and they can get involved and they can serve. So we're going to make that available uh, to us, to all of our people. Um, number four, we will have training opportunities for our volunteers. So we're going to train everybody. We're going to train you to serve. We're going to train you how to engage the community. We're going to train you how to, how to share your faith. We're going, to, we're going to train you how to interact. We're going to train you how to be a good servant. So we're going to do that. So we have days we'll be doing that this year. Our focus will be, number five, our focus will be in the Stafford community and immediate areas, somewhere between a 15 and 20-mile radius. It's not that we are against other communities, just where God, this is our Judea. How many know that, that God has called us here for a particular reason? How many know that? And God wants us to reach these people. Then finally, we will communicate directly or indirectly. Uh, we will communicate directly or indirectly that we first represent Christ and then Foundation Church. So we would do that by handing out information, passing out information. In other words, church, God has really spoken that we cannot let this go. This is a key for us because 
as I just showed you there, read, in a mo- uh, read through there in the, in the scripture, and we talked about it all morning in the sermon, that your life will be so much more better, so much more fulfilling when you give it away. Are you hearing me this morning? And for those of you who are guests, I want you to go home. If you got a church, I want you to, don't just walk into a church and just, I know people who've been involved in church for years and they don't ever get involved and ask the question. Go home. Go home and say, how can I get involved? How can I use my talents and my gift to be a blessing? Because how do we know that whether you're here in Stafford or whether you're south or out west, how do we know God has called all of us to reach? Everybody say reach. We got to reach people. And this is what we're going to be doing. And this is what God has called us to do. And your life, as he said in verse number 17 in John, chapter 13, verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray.